0: Praise the Lord. Jesus. Well, um, as a little plug for Michelle with the children's uh, ministry, uh, Michelle took a, a video the other week of, uh, of the kids just worshiping uh, downstairs. So We wanted to show that to you. Let's double click. Hopefully it will work. We love because cute huh praise the lord our next generation of uh, of worship leaders right we have uh, drummers and singers and dancers unto the lord it's just a little insight of what's going on downstairs and uh you know it's it's not babysitting amen it's not babysitting oh it's it's instructing Woo! the next generation of the leaders of the lord in the ways of the lord amen amen um I'm feeling a little foggy today. Just being honest with you. I don't know why. I just, I don't know if there's stuff going on in the spirit. Uh, but I'm feeling a little warring, uh, inside of me right now. Uh, so, can you guys pray with me? When I mean pray, I mean we're going to pray. Uh, because I know from experience that when these times come, uh, it means that the Lord is, is wanting to say something to people. Uh, and the spiritual realm, the, the, the devil, um, Tries to bring confusion, cloudiness, to keep that word from going forth. So, you guys, let's just stand in faith with me. Stand in faith with me. And remind, if you can come on down, because yeah, I'm feeling, feeling that. Let's just, let's just pray. I want to, I want to just pray, uh, in this, in 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 the knowing, and also in the spirit. If you have a spiritual language, I'm I'm, t- I'm talking like. There's a there's a bit of spiritual warfare going on uh, right now. I'm sensing. I'm feeling, um, and whether you're feeling it or not, I'm feeling it. So that does a little something inside of me, you know. Uh, and so it, maybe it's just something that I'm going through. Maybe it's something that all of us are going through. I don't know, but I just want to I just want to pray. So pray, pray, you know, out loud, pray in the spirit, and let's just let's just lean on the Lord before any going any further. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Let your name be glorified in this place, oh God. Oh, let hearts come to you, oh God. Oh, Jesus, 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 the hearts come to you, oh God. Oh, let your word go forth, oh God. We don't go forth, oh God, unless we hear from you, oh God. Oh, we glory in your name, oh God. How wonderful you are, oh God. Oh, let your name be glorified, oh God. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We pray, bring forth clarity, O oh God. Oh, anything that rises up against us shall not prosper, O oh God. Nothing that befalls you shall prosper, O oh God. We glory in your name. We thank you for the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, guys. Ah, I feel better now. Amen. Sharon, are we we rolling? We're good? Yep. All right. Great. Woo! All right. We can get to the first slide, please. So uh, today's uh, message is uh, Noah and the Flood. Uh, And uh, he is coming from our Heroes of Faith chapter. Uh, And uh, so we're just going to get into... Noah's flood, there's so many things that we can go with the flood experience, so many lessons to learn, uh, but uh, I just felt the Lord was putting on my heart something uh, that is needed for us today. And so let's open up to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Uh, This is um, the portion of the heroes of faith regarding Noah. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Amen? Amen. Uh, So what we have here are uh, actually two principles that we want to uh, understand and get into before even uh, committing uh, it's a studying out of uh, out of the book of Genesis. And I want to take some liberty here because I'm assuming that many of us know the basics of Noah's uh, flood or the flood during Noah's time of the ark and the animals. So it's a pretty popular uh, story that people, or event rather, that people know. Um, so we're not going to read through the four chapters of the story, which would be a long time to read through. I encourage you after today, if you want to pick up some of the nuances uh, of, the st- of, of the story, uh, to, to spend some time in it this week. Um, so if we go to the, the, the next slide, uh, two principles that we, are, we, we should remember, or rather maybe even first come into contact with, uh, if you haven't heard these before, uh, would be one, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The Old is in the New revealed. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of that saying before, maybe you haven't, but I'll, I'll say it again. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, the old is in the new revealed. Meaning, you know, it's really a frustration for mine. I, I've done it before preaching here. I went to uh, the only uninspired word of, uh, the only un, uninspired page of the Bible and I ripped it out. It was that piece of paper that, that says New Testament. It separates the old and the new. The reality here is the Bible is the Bible. It's one collective book, Okay. Uh, and so, we, in, in a lot of times in our Christian walk, we forget about the Old Testament. We forget about it. And the reality here is the older Testament, the Old Testament, the, it's just, it's riddled with prophecies and things that are foretelling of the coming of the Lord. Because it was there, put in place for Israel to see and to read and to expect and to know that the coming of the Son of God was upon us. And so then the new t- in the New Testament, what we see here is the truths that were discussed and the shadow of things which were in the Old Testament now suddenly become so fully alive. And so when we read both, we get a better understanding of what's going on and the thoughts and the spirituality of, of what God is doing. The second thing that we are to uh, recall uh, is uh, something that I was taught when I was a young kid. God gives us the physical to teach us the spiritual. There are physical things that the Lord has done on earth. There are physical things that will occur in your life. You're like, why is this happening? You know, wh- wh- why is it going on? A lot of times it's just teach us a spiritual truth. Right, so I was telling you, like, I'm feeling a little foggy today. Well, I'm physically feeling a little foggy. Now, all right, you could be like, oh, it's something that he ate or he didn't drink enough water or things. like that. It could be, it could be, but I know enough. And when physical things start to happen and things aren't lining up the way they are, usually there's a spiritual truth that needs to be. And so a little fog, it's like, well, you better. maybe you should be praying. Maybe there's a little fogginess in the spirit. Maybe there's a little warring that's going on. Things aren't clear. So a lot of times in our life, you know, things come up. Physically, that will show us, really, trying to remind us there's something going on spiritually. So those are the two things that I really want to make sure Uh, that we're getting and understanding, okay? And so, for example, this notion of uh, the Old Testament, or rather the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, you know, people usually refer to the Old Testament God as this God of the wrath of God, right? Uh, And depending on who has taught you in your past, uh, a lot of people think, unfortunately so, That God changed somehow from the Old Testament to the New Testament. How can that be if God is, always was, always is, and always will be? He does not change. Actually, scriptures say He changes not. Well, this New Testament God is all God of love, grace, faith, all this kind of stuff. The Old Testament God is a God of wrath. Well, if you think that, I guess you probably haven't opened up the book of Revelation. Because the God of love is coming back with fire in His eyes, with blood on his thigh on a horse, ready to destroy the enemies of the Father. That's not wrath. I don't know what is. There's also love, of course. Now, in the Old Testament, there was wrath. Yes, there was wrath upon God's enemies, but there also was love. Faith, grace, and wrath was in the old, and faith, grace, and wrath is in the new as well. Timetables just may be a little different. Now, this concept, you know, I remember sitting in a graduate class in Israel, and learning uh, on the book of uh, Genesis, and here I am, Dave. The only, pro- yeah, I believe in the class. In other words, one other, two believers in a in in a group of about twenty five uh, uh, Jewish uh, people. Uh, the professor was an Orthodox Jewish man, uh, and we were talking about some of the motifs, some of the things in Genesis, uh, and he was bringing up the 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 story of Abraham uh, and of uh, of uh, of Isaac, and he was trying to get us all to say like what was going on in the story of Genesis uh, with Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac being put on the altar, and, and the Lord providing a sacrifice, all this kind of stuff, and he was asking everyone, well, what is this all about? And I raised my hand, I said, the story of Abraham is clearly a story about, a story about grace. So all the kids, like, rolled their eyes, like, oh, come on. Man. One kid who stood up, he, he just came out of a yeshiva, which is like a, an Orthodox Jewish school to study, and he came to the university, and he's, he's like ripped new one, like, no, there's what, grace, it's such a Christian thing to say, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And the professor, Yarmulke, Professor Baruch Schwartz, says, no, actually, he's completely right. Grace is an Old Testament concept. He said, the rabbis have taught you in the yeshiva that this is not true, but clearly in the Word of God, it is true. And he's right. Abraham is the story of grace. Noah is a story of grace. Enoch is a story of grace. Adam falling is a story of grace. You see, there's always, always in the old and in the new a time for repentance. There's always a time. There's people who will not respond to something. sometimes. So... We can go to the next slide. Those are the principles that we are to be aware of. big question that we get with people uh, when, uh, when talking uh, about the Bible, uh, particularly from atheists and humanists, is how can this wrathful God do what he does? You guys ever hear that before? Start sharing the gospel, so they're like, oh, how, how can this loving God that is so much love, blah, 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 how can he bring forth his wrath? do this, do that, destroy the earth, like, anyone who's, like, talked to a legit atheist, like, they know what to say, right? And so, you know, the question here is, why did he, God, have to destroy the earth? Story of Noah, right? He just, God destroyed the earth. Why did he have to do it? It's unbelievable. if we take a look at the scriptures, we see something that is so foreign to us now because we're living in such an age of the presence of, of Jesus, such the presence of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Uh, that we forget what life must have been like so long ago. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now look at these, these words that are being used here. It's not saying that his imagination of his thoughts were evil. It's saying that every, imagine. We're talking that the thoughts of the mind and the heart, that there was absolutely zero goodness in them. I don't think we can even contemplate or understand the type of wickedness that is. But people that are wicked and sinful, they may have moments of clarity. They have, may have moments of showing grace to someone or showing love to their neighbor. I mean, we all know people in here that are not saved, but they, but they love and do nice things to people. Anyone know someone who's not saved and they're not born again yet, but they show such love to one another? And to people, you're like, wow, that really spoke to me. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Because that right there, love, and showing that is, is an essence of the Spirit of God, and the truth of Jesus, that their bodies is is, is gravitating towards that moment. But in the story of Genesis, there's none of them. All evil, all thoughts are constantly wicked and evil. I don't think we can even comprehend and understand a state of affairs where it is so bad that there's only evil thought. And it's hard to convey to someone, to an atheist or a humanist. Because we're living in an age of the glory of the Lord that's here. There's good things that are happening. All good things come from the Father above. Genesis 11th, 11 of chapter 6 says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Completely filled with violence. Many of the scholars are actually saying that there's so much violence, and there's so much evil, that it could not be stopped. It was just running so amok that it was completely, utterly out of control. And so, you know, think about that for a moment when you're sharing with people because people don't understand. They're like, "Oh, people are good. People are this, that, and the other thing." And this leads us to the next one. And I, 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 I encourage you if you ever really get into conversations with uh, with atheists uh, or non-believers. Uh, here's the other realm of. It. Uh, is that man was left to his own conscience. There was no law. This is a little bit of a difficult concept to understand. It's a way to go forward. There is no law of Jesus. Repent, be baptized. Right. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your father in heaven. There's no law of David, which was a Davidic covenant, a Davidic law. There's no law of Moses yet. Do this, don't do this, can do this, can't do this. You can eat this, you can't eat this. At this time of month, do this, blah, blah, blah. All these laws of don't kill, has never been spoken. The only law that's been spoken to man or two up until this point, do not eat of the tree of the good, I'm sorry, the tree of good knowledge, and be fruitful and multiply. Those are the only two laws that we see in the Scriptures that God has spoken to man. We can assume and understand that God does not like murder because Cain does kill his brother Abel. And God is man. But notice, God did not declare a law for man. Why? Because in Genesis it says that he made man and saw that he was very good. He put the goodness of God inside of man. There was no real need to allocate and dictate all of these different laws. This is very, very powerful on a spiritual realm. When there is no law, the people perish. Can you imagine a society in the United States where we had no law? Would man choose good or would they run amok? They're going to run amok. And so what happens here is humanists and atheists will say, well, I, I, I don't need god's word to tell me what to do and what not to do or tell me like i need to love him and do this that's all silly i don't need that i just know because what's in my heart and what's consciously right what's morally good correct guys ever hear that one when you talk to people i don't need this jesus i know what's right i know what's good look left alone man's conscience eventually turns to corruption if there is no law Praise the the Lord that we are now no longer living underneath the law of sin and death but the perfect law of liberty that comes by the shedding blood of Jesus. But there's still a law there. Repent. Turn to the Lord. Have your heart and your spirit filled by Him. There's a law of liberty and grace that's there. but There's a law that tells us what we do and do not do in a sense. Without law, the man's moral consciousness... In Genesis, just broke down, broke down, broke down to such a point. The Lord actually says that he repents and is upset that he has even made a man. Because evil has gotten so crazy. And so if we take a look at Genesis chapter 3, not sorry, Genesis, Galatians chapter 3. We, we have a little bit of this uh, understanding, um, if, if it's not quite clear to you. Um if I can open my Bible here. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 verse 24 says, "Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith." The law. Now soon after Noah's flood, God is going to bring forth laws. The purpose is to show us what is right and wrong and know that when we fail, we need to come to the Messiah. Verse 19, if we go back, it says, Therefore, what is the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions. The law was brought to man because of our evil ways, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. The law was brought forth to show man to keep, him, to keep him away from transgressions until the coming of Messiah would come. It says in verse 22, But the scripture has concluded that all are under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. And in verse 26, For we are all children of God by faith through Jesus. Amen? So this law that was not there, is a tutor that brings us to understand. But man was left to his own consciousness, man was left to his own ways, you know, whatever makes me feel right, and man just broke it, and you see it today. What used to be morally apprehensible to society is now appropriate. Pornography, which was unacceptable, is now acceptable in many circles. Infidelity, there are websites. That allow partners to go out in secret and to seek out other partners. Homosexuality. Drinking, partying, all this kind of stuff that's just it's totally acceptable. Abortion. Just twenty years ago. We didn't have a thought. Wouldn't even be a thought in a in a in a in a church. And it's now contemplated by some in the more liberal churches. Well, oh, whatever is right in my heart. No, the ways of a man are wicked. We need someone to show us the way. And so, this is why, this is why God brought this very heavy moment. Because man lost the way, because he was just going by his own moral conscience. You get, does that make sense? So let me go, go to the next slide. We're going to kind of transition some of the, the teaching elements here. But we wanted to lay that out there because it's such a big question by people. Like, oh, why would God do this? Uh, so the question I'm at, um, oh, I'm sorry. So here, here are the three, uh, actually, it just proved my point. Uh, at the end of, at, end of Noah's flood, um, the first thing God's going to do here. Uh, is uh, give Noah some laws that weren't there before. Uh, one was be fruitful, multiply in abundance, which was there. Uh, and then the second one is do not eat meat with blood and do not murder. If you are a murderer, you are to be sent to death. These are what uh, they call in Hebrew the Noahide laws. They are the laws that come before the law of Moses. Like, hey, that's three simple laws, right? We should all be able to handle that. But man became corrupt again. So what did God have to do? Give even more laws. So you go from two laws to three laws to 613 laws in the Mosaic Covenant. To Jesus comes, essentially, there's one law. that fulfills all the others. Love the Lord by God with all of your heart and your name as yourself. Going from one to three, I'm sorry, one to two to three to 613, back to one again. So I was just kind of proving my point. So we go to the next slide as we hinge this story a little bit. Um, how does the story of Noah's Ark point to Jesus and the gospel? This is essentially what we want to do with this story. Uh, and So I want you to take a moment. And I want you just to think, and I'm going to call on people, um, as, as, as just to kind of get a little bit of a foundation. Just think. You haven't read the story of Noah's Ark and the flood in a while. I understand that. Just think about the things you know. How does it connect to the coming of Jesus? The power of the gospel because the New Testament is in the old concealed. Take a moment. If you have one, why don't you share it with your neighbor? Could be simple as can be, or as theological as you like to make it. And so, why don't you uh, just raise your hand? I'll call on you, and I'll repeat it into the mic for the sake of uh, the recording. Mario. That God has a plan of redemption for mankind. Amen? Amen. good so we, we have the coming of the flood to bring forth purity and cleanliness on the planet earth just like God brought forth the sun to earth to do that once again a final, yeah, essentially final thing. it's good, real good it's pretty powerful good both Noah and Jesus had to be obedient to the Father in their instruction good, amen Level of trust and faith that it takes to believe in Jesus, to rely on His goodness. Can you imagine building a boat and it's never rained before? People are looking at you like you're a madman. It takes a lot of faith. Good. There's a message that goes out for repentance. It's it's either adhered to or is not. Good, good, good. Yeah, Noah acts as a, as a messenger or one who is anointed for a given purpose, right? He's an anointed one for that time. And we see that theme, that motif pop up all the time in Scripture. Awesome, guys. This is great. I'm going to now sit down. I don't have to. We're good. Worship team. All right, so those are awesome. Uh, And so let's get into this a little bit. Uh, We're going to see, hopefully see some beautiful things. All right, so uh, we can go to the next slide. Uh, We have a couple of things that are uh, pointed out here uh, in Noah's uh, story. I'll read through them because I know if I just read the first one and taught on it, everyone else would be reading two, three. I gotta read through all four so everyone has that and has it final and then we could do it again. I know. <laughs> the ark was provided by God through grace. The ark's design was revealed in advance. The ark had rooms for refuge, and the ark had a window above. And if you don't believe me, all that's coming from Genesis chapter six. Okay? Mostly verses 14, 15, and 16. So let's uh, let's get into this, right? So the ark was provided by God through grace. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 said, as I read to you, man is evil. He has impure and wrong thoughts inside of his mind continually, never stopping. There's such impurity that is taking place in mankind. But there's grace. Because Genesis 6 verse 8 says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Right? God's intent from the beginning is to be gracious and loving towards Amen? Amen. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In fact, Revelation says the Lamb of God was slain at the foundations of the world. Now, I'm not saying Noah necessarily came underneath the anointing of Jesus because he didn't come yet. But in the Spirit, grace was shed at the beginning. There's always been grace in the Bible, as I was alluding to and stating before. But now, right, what we learn, right, the ark was provided by God through grace— We have the ultimate revelation of the ark. And his name is Jesus. He is the ultimate revelation of both grace and also the wrath of God. So we say Noah's ark, we see grace, we see also wrath. But we see this with Jesus too. He is the ultimate revelation of the manifestation of the grace of the Lord. He's also the one one who's going to be throwing people into the fiery pit of hell. But it's there. The ark's design was revealed in advance. God told Noah before it even was, like the waters were coming, like, look, look, this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to show you the story. Essentially what's being said here is that Jesus at all given times wants to show us the redemptive story. He wants to reveal himself to all of us. Psalm chapter two verse seven, the scriptures declare of the coming of the redemptive plan. If God spoke to Moses, uh, sorry if God spoke to Noah and showed him how salvation or redemption was going to come through the ark, how much more so would He show his people and to us that he was going to come as, as the Son of God? Psalm two verse seven declares that God has a son. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says that he shall be born of a virgin. Micah 5.2 says that he was going to be born in the town of Bethlehem. Psalm 16.10 says that he was going to be resurrected. You see, God does not just pop these things into your midst out of nowhere. And whether it is Noah or redemption of salvation for eternity found in Jesus or if it's what step do I take next in my life, the Lord shall show you an event. He's not going to blindside, right? He shows and reveals himself to us good in terms of just like taking some of the pressure off of us on these grandiose theological ideas. But what if someone never hears of Jesus? Will they come into heaven or are they not? And You know, what about the Bushmen in the middle of Africa and all this kind of stuff that people have all these weird things about? What we do know here is this. God revealed himself to Noah before the flood. God revealed himself to me. And Romans says that All of creation is manifesting itself on who God is. And so God does, I firmly believe, because it would be so ungracious. And the scriptures testify that God shows himself to all people at some point in their life. And they have to make that decision. Are they going to go or are they not going to go? There may be some of us sitting here right now that are in that place. Do I serve him or do I not serve him? Because he's speaking to your heart, just like he spoke to Noah. He's like, I, I know, I know that it hasn't rained yet. Could be likened unto, well, I haven't died yet. There's no judgment seat yet. But he's revealing himself to you. Uh, the ark had rooms for refuge, it says in Genesis 6.16. At the same time, God himself says in John chapter 14, that my father's house has many rooms. In fact, I need to go away and I need to build it for you. Jesus is almost like this Noah. It's like you know, this representation of, of the building. And then last one right here is the Ark had a window above. The Ark had a window above. Now, this is a notion. God says specifically you are to build a window. It shall be above your head. Why? It's this notion that salvation, the coming of the rain and the receding of the rain, help those we're above. Don't put it in the side of the boat. We want it on the top of the boat, all, all up above high. So when you're gazing out in this experience, you know that salvation is not coming from around you. Salvation only comes from above. Amen? It's this principle in our lives, whether you're saved or not. I think most of us have, are born again here. But we still go through experiences. What God is saying unto us in this story, to both know unto us, is that when we're going through the thick of things, the only place that we're going to get help from is from above. But many of us have a tendency to look around at the windows at I love. Looking for an answer. The Lord is saying, now, nah. you look above. From whence does my help come from? From the Lord. Up to the mountain. Looking above, gazing upon. I can only imagine the things that are going on in Noah's life at that time. The building of a boat. Being strange as can be. They're doing all of this. And then the really tough thing. Oh, man, God says, all right, after you've done all this, the animals get on, on the boat. Now I want you to go into that boat, and I want you to sit there for seven days. And for seven days, they sit in the ark before it even rains. What was going on in those seven days? It's got to be crazy. So I have a little video that I found online. Uh, it, it does a pretty good job to, to show what's happening. Yeah, please. Hey, Noah, what are you doing in there? <laughs> yeah, Noah, it's not raining out here, you know. Hey, Noah, does not smell in there with all those animals? <laughs> <laughs> nice boat, Noah. How long did it take you to build it? Like a hundred years? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Noah, there's some more animals out here that want to ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, are you sure that thing's going to float? Oh my gosh, she's my here. only from the sky. Yeah. Now it's time to get a little more serious. Can you imagine being on a boat like that? Your neighbors, your neighbors, other family members are now going to perish. I, 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 I joked as well. If you can click on the computer music to be muted, so the hum might not be as long. Dead. Man. Can you imagine being in that experience? Get on the boat, man. Bring the animals. It's just you, your wife, your three sons, and their three wives. And every other family member that you have, every other neighbor you have, no matter how evil they were, they're out there and they are now going to die. out there and you hear the waters coming down and the and the people out there are now saying, well, well Noah, maybe, maybe you were right, weren't you? And they come up to the ark and they're crying, they're weeping, and they're knocking on the door, let us in, let us in, let us in, and the Lord is saying, sorry. Noah, do not open the door for it is too." late Next slide, please. You see, what we have here, oh, Jesus, 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 is the story of Noah's ark is this. The ark had one door. It doesn't have two doors. It doesn't have three doors. There is only one way into the redemptive work that God wants to have in your life, and his name is Jesus. But see, there's one door, and there's two types of people. There are those that are on the boat and those that are off. The people that are off are going to die. And they're going to cry. And they're going to have a gnashing of teeth. Those that are on the boat are in the redemptive plan of God the Father, which is manifest through the Son, Jesus. You see, Jesus himself says, John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. But the thief comes not. But for to steal and to kill and to destroy, I have come, that I might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, For I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way. There's only one way into the redemptive plan of Jesus. It's through his shedding blood. But you see, what happens here is that there is going to come a day when the rains are going to come. It's not going to be like a Noah's flood. It's going to be every person needs to meet their maker. It's going to be our job. and It is our job to tell people about the coming of the flood. I mean the coming of the flood in a spiritual sense. The coming of judgment. And yes, we'll be in that little ark that represents the, the body of, 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 of Jesus, right? The church. And we can be there and we hear people taunting us. You're so silly. You're so crazy. You believe in this stuff. I don't need this. I don't need that. Well, at some point, the thunder and the lightning's going to come, and the people are going to be like, oh, my goodness, this is for real. And so just think a moment. Being on that boat, people you work with, your neighbor, your extended family that's crying out to you, but it's too late. The reality here is now it's not too late. There's still time. The time of the morning is still here. The time is still right. We're still, we're still able to share the goodness of the Messiah until the Lord. Woo! One way, and only one. And I look at and I, you know, I see most of us—not all of us here. I'm a born again relationship, Jesus. If you don't, I, I pray right now. This message starts to tear on your heart, like. I need to come into direct fellowship with Father. I, I need to come through Him through the Son. I, I need to know this stuff. But for those of us that are saved, and I, I get it, you know, it's like, oh, this is, you know, we've you, heard some of the salvation message for all of it, but it's so appropriate too for when we're walking through. Yeah? How many times do we try to find the answers to things through other doors? How often in our walk do we look out other windows and look for salvation? there. He said, look above. Don't look aside. It doesn't matter if you're saved or not. You've got to look above. Uh, The next bit here is the the ark was a refuge from the storm. The ark was a refuge from the storm. Romans chapter 5, 9 through 11 says it. Now being justified by His blood we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. If we can have the worship team. Jesus. God provides a refuge from the storms of life. But the biggest storm that he provides the refuge for is the storm of the wrath of God. You know, so a, lot, a lot of people are, are afraid to teach on the wrath of God. It's so not, you know, user-friendly. It? Seeker-sensitive. Look, it's my belief, man. You, 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 we, we can't come to a full understanding of the love of the Father without knowing the wrath of God. We don't know what is due us. How do you how do you how do you reciprocate in that kind of love and worship? When we know, when we know what the Lord has planned for those who do not come, what He had planned for me if I did not come to Him, it, it just ah uh, just propulses me to love Him ever even more. Refuge from the storm. The ark symbolizes Jesus. It is a thing that provided safety in the midst of the storm. It provided the salvation for mankind. For you are all descendants of Noah. Actually, the scriptures say if, 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 if you are from the descendants of Shem, and Shem went out into the Middle East. And so if you are Arab, If you are Jewish, you are the descendants of Shem, the son of Noah. If you are Ham, it says that Ham went to really essentially uh, down to the place of Cush. It says that his skin was darker. If you have darker skin, according to the biblical record, you are a descendant of Ham, the son of Noah. And everyone else, the Asians and the Europeans, right, says that you are the descendant of Japheth. We're not even the descendants of Adam and Eve. We are the descendants of Noah and his three sons. Mankind was destined to be wiped out forever. You would not have even been a thought. There was man, one that was pure and righteous in all of his generation. His name was Noah. God found favor and grace. Now that ark is very interesting. God gave the command to Noah to build the ark. And you are to paint it with pitch to make it waterproof. What's so beautiful is that the, the Hebrew word for pitch is Kippur. Kippur is the same thing as Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. You see, the only thing that's going to allow it to float, not allow the the, the the disgust of the world to come in, is the Atonement. The Kippur. The blood of Jesus. So even in the story of Noah, right, you got this boat and God all the way back then says, yeah, by the way, make sure you it with a tongue, Foreshadowing the coming of the blood of Jesus. How awesome, unbelievable is God. And so, yes, yes, see, this is it, right? The ark was a refuge from the storm of life, the storm of the wrath of God. And I just pose to us, no matter where you are, because whether you've been saved for 30 years or you don't even know what's going on yet, the Lord is calling forth for us to go deeper in Him. I'm putting up. I'm sorry, God said I'm putting a rainbow in the sky. Because every time you look at it, like talking about things that have been corrupted. Satan is unbelievable. A rainbow in the sky to remind man that I will never destroy the earth again with water is the same symbol that is associated with gay pride, which is one of the sins of Noah's day. The corruption. Unbelievable. The rainbow, a sign of God's grace unto man. Now, in the spirit, people throw it right back at not taking it over. Sin. But the rainbow is a sign that he's not coming. He's not coming again to destroy the earth with water. <laughs> the scriptures say he's coming again to destroy it with fire. But we can seek refuge. The refuge that is the atonement of the living God. Jesus. You see, what does God do? He comes and He cleanses the earth with water. You see, the story of Noah's Ark and the story of your life is that when the refuge and the storms come, it is not an ending. It is, in fact, a new beginning. God did not destroy the earth. He made it new again. He brought the waters to bring purity and cleanliness onto the earth. What did he do? He baptized the earth. God baptized the earth. He brought the ark, the symbol of Jesus. Come unto me all who are weak. Come, come to the fountains of life. Be redeemed. And then what comes? Baptism. Waters coming upon you, Jesus. The last, God provides an invitation. He provides an invitation. 28 come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in the heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light God provided an invitation to now come onto the boat Noah, you and your family Jesus is making a similar statement come come to him. It doesn't matter if you've never heard this before, if you have, don't have a born-again relationship with, with Jesus, then yeah, you really better be listening. But all of us have been saved for a long time, man. The Lord is providing an invitation. on the boat again. What's the boat? The boat is a place of anointing. Where the pitch was painted, where the anointing the atonement was there. Get on the boat again! Oh, I just feel like the Lord is saying that there's people here that like have one foot on the boat and one foot in the water. You're saved, but you might not be fully connected. You know, you're like you're treading in the water, you're you're holding on the on the side of the boat, just like, oh, I kind of want in, I kind of don't I don't want in. Jesus is saying right now, get on the boat. It's time to get on the boat. People. Get into the place of the anointing. Jesus. There's an invitation. Come as you are. Come as you are. Now, for the people who think they can have their cake and eat it too. As a great Bob Dylan said, I pray for those people who think that they can play with the world and still try to get on the boat. Father, I pray right now, oh, Jesus, come, come, full hearts. For those of us who are just like, you know, I've been playing along, I've been playing a little too much, I've been playing in both worlds, I pray right now. In Jesus' name, to get them on the boat. Father, I pray right now, there's someone here who has never come to you and has invited you into their heart. He said, you know what, I've, I've, I've gone wrong. I've seek my own moral consciousness, and it's not right. I need to come unto the Lord. Father, I pray right now that their hearts would just be pulled. Hearts be pulled. Hearts be pulled to come to you for the first time. For those of us who have been playing the game, half on, half off. Oh, Lord, that they would just come into the place of the anointing. Father, those of us who are on the boat, oh, Lord, let us hear the voices of people outside. Jesus, those of us that are on the boat, let us hear the voices of those outside crying for hope, crying for salvation, crying for answers. They may not audibly say it, but their souls are yearning and crying for a redemptive plan. Let us hear those voices in our spirit again in a figurative sense that we would understand the importance, the importance of the proclamation good news. Amen. Amen.